and welcome to Gardener's Podcast, part of Garden Church in Southern California. My name is Darren, and today I had a wonderful conversation with Pastor Bill and Pastor Michael. You're not going to believe this. The topic is anger. Hmm, Merry Christmas. Well, once we get started, you'll kind of see how it all ties in. This is from a sermon that Bill taught from this last Sunday, December 17th. If you haven't listened to it yet, I highly encourage you to jump over to Garden Church Podcast to give it a listen. For now, let's go ahead and jump into the conversation. Michael, Bill, it is such a pleasure to have you here in the studio. I guess we can call it a studio yeah. today. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Good us. to be here. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bill, I noticed I offered you a cup of coffee and you said you were fine, but you still drank it. I did. Is it your second cup or is it? It's probably close to third okay. by now. Yes. <laughs> thank, thank you for that. You've had a busy morning. I have. And hopefully we don't, we don't see like jittery Bill halfway through. It's but... one of those weird things that never seems to make any difference. Okay. Well, that's good. So you'll be fine. All right. I, I get don't jittery, feel... but not for those kinds of reasons. I thought okay. you were going to call him a liar. I thought that's what that, that was like the way he <laughs> well, said it. He didn't like, technically you didn't... say no. <laughs> yeah. He just said, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I think I, I took it as like, oh, well, you don't have to drink it if you don't but want it. But then he told me it was going to get cold if it sat there. Yeah. <laughs> can't allow that to happen. I mean, my feelings would probably be hurt, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Made well, that's what a great really way to start the major day. concern for me that yeah. your feelings don't get hurt. That's exactly uh, Michael, did you already have your coffee? You're, I'm having it right now. You're having it. No, this is my it. first cup of Your today. first cup. Yeah. This, I have my cup. It was mostly because it was available, but it will be my second cup. This, as you guys know, I am weaning off coffee. I prefer tea or matcha, but um, when it is fresh. I don't know if we can be friends anymore. I know. We've, we've, we've <laughs> talked about this, and I'm just hoping that Michael your just heart drew a line will, in the sand. will soften. That's why you're on the chair, not the couch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Bill specifically requested me to be as far away from mm-hmm. as possible yeah but i'm i'm whenever there is coffee i'll have some it's yeah. more of like the social aspect of it i mean do you do you drink it out of necessity for like i need a boost of energy <laughs> no if i'm really tired and i'm like driving someone to the airport i'll grab like okay. a monster yeah. <laughs> coffee like i don't know like, i go the hardest yeah like energy drink as i possibly could so coffee is not it, it it doesn't really affect me but again i i like it for the taste i like it for the mm. social aspect but i also feel effects when i am like too rhythmically drinking coffee then i'll have withdrawals and i'm like i can't have this all the time yeah i get bad migraines Mm. Mm. and that nobody wants that nobody wants that (laughs) i do not want that um well bill i'll let you tee us up what are we going to be talking about today because you taught on sunday and the topic was anger yeah yeah, and it's obviously not usually a, a, a Christmas theme, um, and yet when you look at the texts surrounding the announcement, uh, I, it, we didn't even look at the one John the Baptist, Zechariah, um, and and his response to this um, invitation to Mary's response, and then you see that work its way through in the early stages of the ministry of Jesus, you realize that that uh, there is an undertone of disappointment, mm. of frustration, of, um, uh, uh, of lament, really, that we tend in our Advent celebrations 
in our Christmas celebrations to go right for the, mm-hmm. you know, the bright shiny star and the three wise guys mm-hmm. and the all of the things, and, and we should, but that is against a construct. That's against a context of brokenness. And why did he have to come in the first place? Yeah. Why is the incarnation? even necessary. Well, it's because we can't be trusted with nice things. Yeah. We, we break it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is that brokenness. And then on the other side of that, to, to notice that, first of all, to, and, and to have the appropriate response to that brokenness, but then also to realize, oh, he's got a way to address this yeah. different than I might have chosen. Mm-hmm. He's not coming in with a sword in his hand, lopping off heads. Uh, he's coming in vulnerable. He's coming in naked. He's coming in weak. He's yeah. coming in trusting love to right what's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, the, the anger piece then, the advent anger, so to speak, is really in anticipation, as Advent is supposed to be, of his second coming, mm-hmm. which is the culmination of his first. Mm. So we want we want the first without keeping in mind, oh, this is going somewhere. Yeah. And without that going somewhere, the first actually doesn't make sense. It's just kicking the can, like I said on Sunday, down the road. Yeah, yeah. And what's the point of that? So that's mm. kind of the direction I thought I was going. It, and it's it's very interesting, um, the topics about anger, and like you said, the Christmas story is so you know fuzzy wrapped in just good feelings and snow and scarves and you know yeah. twinkly lights, uh, which is all which is all grand. I love the season uh, as I'm sure most of us do. But you mentioned the word uh, disappointment, and when you really read the Christmas story, you start to realize that disappointment played a huge part in huge. a lot of what yeah. people were thinking and yeah. feeling yeah. at the time. Um, but what does disappointment have to do with anger? It is the noticing that things things are not the way they're supposed to be. Yeah. And not simply acquiescing to the fatalistic, oh, well, que sera, sera, it, 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 but realizing, no, actually there is a, a, a blueprint for what it means to be human, for what the creation is supposed to be like, for how we're supposed to treat one another. Yeah for how uh, um, the Old Testament concept of justice, which is a a rebalancing, uh, uh, not retribution, but restoration, Mm -hmm. reconciliation, and to notice this thing is way out of whack, and that is a boundary violation. That's not the way things are supposed to be, and anger is the gift that God has given us, to register and uh, focus response to boundary violations, whether personal or societal. So anger, I mean, you read through, we didn't even talk about this at all um, on Sunday because we didn't have time, but you read through the prophets of the Old Testament and you realize, oh, there's a lot of anger there. Mm -hmm. And it's not about themselves. It's not about their own 
you know, rights being violated. It's just that God designed this for something. Yeah. And look what it has become. Mm-hmm. Is doesn't anybody notice? Doesn't anybody care? Yeah. Yeah. So anger is um uh kind of that launch velocity into into a kind of response that addresses that injustice, that addresses that brokenness, that addresses those boundary violations. Yeah. Uh, and I love that. I want to. I want to definitely unpack that a little bit later on. But Michael, I did want to ask you. Um, you were saying a few things before we got started recording. Um, what was your experience uh, from Sunday and listening to a church talk about anger? Yeah. Well, I I think this has been what I said was that this is one of my favorite sermons that I think I heard. It was one of the best sermons just in general. Um, I think because. It talks about a very real human experience, but it also is so tied to the good news of Jesus. And it models, or, or we talked about the model that Jesus had of how to deal with our anger and all the stuff, the bad stuff, mm. that we don't just avoid anger, we don't avoid the bad things, but Jesus shows us like we like receive it and we don't like bring it back into the world. It reminded me of St. Francis, the mm-hmm. prayer of St. Francis mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I don't have it memorized and, and that's my goal, but I'm sure Bill does. But it, the whole, the premise is, you know, may I n- seek to love as to seek to be loved because it's better to just mm-hmm. give than to like, to console rather to be consoled. Like all these things of, the whole purpose of being an instrument of peace is that you embody the cross and that you're giving that into the world. You're giving that into your relationships. You're Mm. living the way of Jesus in everything. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't say don't feel angry. And and the scriptures say don't feel angry. And this has been like maybe my soul care with Bill over six, uh, eight years of me as a Enneagram nine. I, I think my core sin is anger but I suppress it. Mm. I like suppress it deep down. And I thought that feeling angry was a bad thing. I thought that, or, or, and, and, you know, part of my growth and maturity was one acknowledging that my anger is not a bad thing, but it's a boundary marker, Mm -hmm. but then not to respond out of that anger. Cause then I think that's also like, what some people feel like they feel justified in their anger when they see the gift of it and then they respond Mm. out of it. And in James it says like, you know, don't respond out of that. It doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And so all this to kind of summarize, I feel like the sermon helped name the reality that anger is part of our human experience, that God experiences anger, that anger is actually acknowledging the disappointment and the reality of the human experience, the broken world that we live in and the broken world that Jesus entered into. But then it also talks about how do we as followers of Jesus respond? How do we actually acknowledge and respond with our own anger or, or not respond? Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought it was really powerful because, and this is just my last like, clip or, or, or like <laughs> thought is that 
I just feel like we live in a time where we we don't uh, filter ourselves because our own boundary markers is a is an indication that our freedoms are being oppressed or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like us as Western Christians are like, well, that is a sign of God's kingdom not coming. So we need to like respond out of anger because whatever. And I just feel like that's actually not what Jesus modeled for us. And no. it's something way more beautiful when you take anger and then you respond with love. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just thought it was a really powerful sermon, especially for Advent, because this has been the first year that growing up in the church in the Protestant church, I didn't really recognize Advent. And then when I started coming to the garden, we started practicing Advent and I was like, Oh, it's just 25 days of really intentionally celebrating for Christmas. So that Christmas doesn't pass by too quickly, mm-hmm. but it was, wasn't until this last year when I approached Advent, I started realizing like, Oh, actually Advent is supposed to be uh, repentance. It's supposed to be grieving. It's supposed to be, not feeling hope, but having hope for what's beyond this season. Mm-hmm. And that comes in on Christmas. And so I think it was so like amazing to talk about anger right before Christmas because uh, the celebration of the arrival of Jesus, because that is so real. And then in a week, Jesus meets us in those seven days from the mm-hmm. anger mm-hmm. into the celebration. So I, I just thought it was perfectly timed so well done (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely the unexpected uh topic of a sermon uh to help form our hearts uh closer to jesus uh, as he models um an emotion i think you you already mentioned it uh, michael an emotion that's usually labeled as bad um i i can remember uh, i have kids and uh listening to either tv shows about emotions or you know fun little skits or, or whatever, it's usually, you know, oh, this emotion is good. This emotion is bad. And, mm. and Bill, you have, I've learned so much from you as you talk about emotions and I know anger is just one of them. Um, but tell us a little bit about why it's such a limiting view to label certain emotions as good and certain emotions as bad. Well, the main reason is is that when when you label something bad you put it on the shelf and say i have to avoid that at all possible costs whether rather than saying no this this is feelings are what they are they're not good or bad their outcomes might be yeah but they themselves are not Mm -hmm. now that i've acknowledged embraced accepted i'm not in denial of my my anger, yeah. now I can start to say, well, what's this for? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not this, this, this broad river that just floods everything out in like what I call the outrage du jour, mm. where, where something ticks me off and, and I pull all of this together and just have this moment, meltdown even, which I think is our cultural mm-hmm. moment right now. Yeah. Instead, it really recognizes, no, anger properly understood can be really tightly focused and like, like water, instead of flooding the landscape, it can actually carve a new way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can, even if it brought down, it can carve metal mm-hmm. if it's laser focused, so to speak. Yeah. So 
you know, you look at uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from the Birmingham jail, where you just get the sense of here's a man who is in prison for what exactly? Yeah. Because he saw injustice and chose not to respond to it in the typical way. Yeah. And that, I think, is is the... And it's not just the anger, right? It's any and all of our emotions. We're not good at really any of them <laughs> because we tend to truncate and push them down and whatnot. So anger particularly then doesn't get leveraged to prophetic, to uh, insight, to discernment of where the brokenness is. Mm -hmm. It becomes self-defensive rather than other defensive. Yeah. Uh, and um, I, I think we miss then the larger gift and the genuine change that could occur if we would, if we would take that anger and, and let love and joy teach us how to be angry. Um, I think that that's, that's kind of what I'm, I would be after. Yeah. I, I love that so much. Um, the, I'm just thinking in, at the top of my head, the, the mindset that kind of like Western modern Christians have as we do spiritual disciplines, as we kind of guard our Sabbath time and, you know, it's all yes. about yes. Project Self as what we've heard before uh, from mm -hmm. Pastor Darren. And I can see because um, it's, it's reflected in my own life as well, um, your phrase of um, anger being um, a, a sign that a boundary has been violated, that that kind of triggers anything that disrupts my normal, easy flow in life, or right. my joy, right. or mm -hmm. my, like, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Yeah. I label it, this is bad, I need to use anger to get rid of this so I can get back to my you know, happy zen feeling. Self. Yeah, yeah, it's my zen yeah. self, and, yeah. and there's no care in the yeah. world. Yeah. And what that produces is just me on top right. of yes. everybody else, yeah. which is very much different than the anger that Jesus modeled for us yes. and is inviting us into. Um, tell us a little bit about the invitation that is there um, in practicing anger the Jesus way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, as you alluded, Jesus knew how to be angry. And uh, it's one of the surprising attributes that when you sit with it, you see it show up a lot, right? But his anger is never about his personal boundaries being violated. Yeah. It's almost always, as far as I can tell, uh, when the those who have no agency, who have no voice, mm -hmm. who have no um, uh, chance of so so the poor, children, Gentiles, women, mm. uh, the marginalized of any and all kinds, uh, you see it at the tomb of Lazarus, where that language he wept and the. This, this eruption of uh, uh, anger and sadness, anger, this is not the world my father designed. Mm. And, and, and this is the moment, right? Yeah. Uh, with the deep sadness that this is what it has come to. Uh, or when the disciples bar access to Jesus mm. from the children. And mm. when the good religious people rule a woman out of order 
because she's an immoral. Yeah. You can just see Jesus start to boil. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it, the, the point is, okay, I need to learn anger as boundary violation, and then I need to become solid enough that I can choose, if I will, to let my boundaries be violated, yeah. turning the other cheek, carrying the pack a second mile, I mean, Jesus is very explicit from the get-go. This is where we're headed here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that when anger is necessary in the defense of others, the marginalized, those who have no voice, uh, anger can 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 be generative mm-hmm. and can move us towards a different kind of of response that is not about the systems that got us into trouble in the first place. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't beget more violence. It, this is where, again, uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s letters and lifestyle was, no, this is, the, the violence cannot be solved with violence. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to sit. We're going to protest by not protesting. Yeah. We're going to push back against an unjust system in the in the only way that will actually undo the injustice, uh, and that's the invitation I think that Jesus gives gives to us. And I, I think fundamental to that is where I tried to land on Sunday, which was I need to be a radical forgiver of others. Mm-hmm. I need to be an intercessor, which is to put myself in harm's way yeah. to absorb the wrath, absorb the consequential wrath, uh, the brokenness, and not, as Michael pointed out, turn that back out yeah. in revenge or retaliation, which only grows yeah. uh, in its expression. When, when you talked about like anger being used for good, I was thinking about the prophet Isaiah and you mentioned all the prophets, but the prophet Isaiah, he is like sharing God's heart to his people. And it's so interesting that if you read the prophets really quickly and you just focus on the ang- God's anger, you'll leave thinking, wow, God is a really angry God. He is all about wrath, but it's so interesting that all the prophets will spend a lot of time on God's anger and lament and frustration with his people of not getting it. Mm -hmm. But then it's so quickly, like there's a small part at the end saying, but only if you repent, I will forgive you. I'll restore you. It's, it's just like, it's like God's anger isn't actually being poured out onto people. He talks about it yeah, and he gives his people opportune time to respond and to repent Mm -hmm because his love is also so great he's not moved mm-hmm. by his anger it, and i think in exodus it says i think that is the hebrew idiom is that he's long nosed like he like <laughs> it takes a lot for him to get angry mm-hmm. but he does get angry but i just feel like it's so powerful that god chooses to let us into that but also gives us opportunity knowing that he's also loving and I was thinking about, you've talked about Martin Luther King a few times, and I, I was actually thinking about it uh, yesterday, I was thinking about this yesterday, how out of their anger, they obviously stepped into a new space, like out of the system, 
and that is where they found dissonance that they chose mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. um to um like no longer comply with this system that was oppressing them but their nonviolence I think was fueled by their anger in a way because they also put so much time in training for nonviolence. They didn't just show up to protests and like That's react. Like <laughs> yeah, they really good point. put a lot of time and effort actually putting on trainings where they were being harassed so that when they were faced with real opposition, they were so trained in nonviolence. Mm. And I just feel like, wow, like that is, those are people who, are frustrated with the system, so frustrated, they're like, there has to be a better way. So they actually created a, a, a program of how to like rise up above violence, rise up above anger. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, like I think for us in the West, um, and I will talk to mainly uh, the privileged in the room or the privileged le- listening, we're so not used to being challenged or when we are challenged in minuscule ways, like, you know, it's Christmas season. So if Starbucks doesn't put Merry Christmas on the cup, like we, we take that as a big offense and we react out of it. Uh-huh. Like, where it's, oh, this is whatever. Yeah. It's not worth getting into. But I think we are so used to being, we, we, we have this lie that we'll never face suffering which is in fact the opposite of what Jesus promised. Yeah, not true. And, and you're supposed to carry your cross daily, which is what Jesus promised, not have a cushy, comfortable life. But because we don't like to talk about that when we're faced with oppress, uh, oppression or, or pushback or whatever it is, any inconvenience, we respond out of anger and it's like unhinged. You're like, wow, that does not look like Jesus at all. Mm. And I feel like if we spent more time having sermons like we did on Sunday when we're like, one anger is okay but two doesn't mean you respond out of it it's actually it, it maybe more sermons talking about you will suffer mm-hmm. i think there's a training that needs to happen because there is so much in this world mm-hmm. that is broken there is so much that there's so many people dying there's so many people dying unnecessarily and we should get angry but i feel like the way we respond is so quick and not thought out well mm. so it doesn't actually produce results cuz we end up looking like the world and in our response. And so I feel like there is a real invitation by Jesus for us to think, get angry and like acknowledge the things that are broken, acknowledge the things that are not working the way they should, but then allow that to motivate us into turning to prayer, turning to intercession, turning to problem solving with the Lord. And we shouldn't be surprised that it looks like the Sermon on the Mount and not right. Um, right. anything else. Right. Well, and I think that, too, is a good segue into our first level of response yeah. uh, is is lament, yeah. mm-hmm. is intercession. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the fact that Jewish-Christian traditions have lament baked in yes. to the system where God says, essentially, I want you to complain to me yes. about what you think I'm not doing. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to I want you to to notice that it's been been a minute mm-hmm. since things were good and out of that anguish out of that longing I want you to I want you to shake your fist in my face I want you Ezekiel passage we looked at I want you to stand in the gap in front of me I want yeah. you to become so 
confident in your relationship with me that you know I can handle I can handle handle your resistance yes to to the to the way things are because you and I both know this is not what I really want them to be like yeah and so it's this push into into lament into intercession into putting ourselves in harm's way in Jesus name the way Jesus did the way Moses did the way Abraham did for Sodom and Gomorrah the way mm-hmm. um, uh, often other leaders prophets and so on and so forth did yeah. um, that that so, we yeah. realize oh there's a strategy here that is beyond outrage but that harnesses that white hot moment towards intercession towards um, uh, prayer and then out of that there may come actions but until we have really gotten it focused i think most of our actions will be counterproductive yeah, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. potentially um, and because they're going to be born out of how we've done it before or whatever isn't it interesting that like israelites that name is those like, wrestle those yeah. who wrestle with god like you would think like god's chosen people would be given the hebrew yeah. equivalent of that that <laughs> word but it's like their primary identity marker their name is that we are those who wrestle with god and i think that's really profound and yeah. intentional but as you're talking i was thinking about not only is there space when you're wrestling through hard things to grieve and let god into it but uh, one of my favorite traditions now is to practice the Seder meal mm. um, leading up to Easter. And in that meal, mm. as it's adopted from the, the uh, I think the, well, I forgot what meal, oh, uh, Passover, Passover, the Passover yeah. meal. In that meal, there are different elements of food and like, they're not just there to make a really good meal. It's actually a really bad meal when you look at it because there's like <laughs> just a raw bone and just random herbs. But I, the the part that moves me every year is when you take the bitter herbs to remind you, like you just bite into bitter herbs, like arugula or something like that. And the whole purpose is to remind you of the hard times that God has gotten you through, mm-hmm. even if you're in a good season. But then you take those same bitter herbs later and you dip them into honey to remind you that God is good um, mm. in, in through those mm. seasons. Mm. And so it's so baked into the, the tradition we come from that we're supposed to remember, 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 where I think now in our Western Christian context, we actually, we see it as a triumph when we've gone through something hard, but now we're in the good season, we're in the promised land, mm. and we kind of just like to forget what we've gone through and expect that it's never... It's just a thing that we've dealt with once and we're not going to deal with it again. But there's this, this real sense of in the Israelite, in the Hebrew tradition, in the Israelite story, like that there is hardship. We need to remember our hardship. There will also be more hardship. We need to remember God in that hardship and know that we can come to him through all seasons, our highs and lows. Mm-hmm. I think that's so powerful. It's been really formative for me, at least. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that sounds like just classic reminders, you know, that God... <laughs> He wants to engage in our full imagination, and He uses our taste buds yes. in, in a way to activate memory uh, towards those things. And I yeah. and I think as we're as we're talking about this, it's like most of us don't get there 
Most of us want to stay back over here and just complain. Most of us want to deconstruct mm. for the, for the mm. sake of nitpicking mm-hmm. and mm. that feeling of superiority and like, oh, this person got it wrong or this yeah. church right. denomination has it wrong right. or, yeah. you know, my friend treated me like this and they were wrong. And that's fine. It's, it's yeah. sometimes helpful to recognize. It might again, even be true. And yeah. It might be true. Yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that we can doesn't necessarily mean that we should. I don't know how many circles uh, of, of people that I've been in where the topic of discussion was mainly just let's, let's stir the pot of this complaining. Yeah. Let's just like pour it out and indulge ourselves in nitpicking all the things that we yeah. hate about yeah. life or the church or, yeah. you know, people yeah. or, or celebrity, like whatever it is. And, you know, you walk away from conversations like that and you just kind of feel gross um, yeah. because that's abusing anger in its most pathetic form almost. Yeah. Well, it, and, and it's playing for the wrong team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a yeah. being in the universe whose job it is to draw God's attention to the things that are broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's called the Satan. Yes. Do you yeah. really want to be playing on his team? The answer is no. <laughs> but we do but all the we time. Do it anyway. And, and I, I learned this. Helmut Tillich, a German theologian, uh, it, it taught me this in a devotional reading that I had. And the Lord reinforced it a couple of times when I found myself as a pastor praying about my people Mm. and how, you know, it's a joke, but it's the truth. I could be a better pastor if I had better people. (laughs) But the end of the story is, you know, I heard God say, I did not call you to pastor these people to complain to me about them. Mm. I called you to pastor these people to intercede on their behalf. Wow. Yeah. I already know their brokenness. I already know their stubbornness and I already know that. I have a being in the universe yeah. who has drawn that to my attention. Yeah. It's not you. Wow. And you don't want to be playing for his team. Yeah. Wow. And that's that's hard mm-hmm. when it's not just the people in my congregation, but it's the I I notice in Congress, I notice in yeah. world government, I notice in industry, whether big pharma or big business or big agro or big entertainment or whatever, it's so easy. I mean, it's a target-rich environment mm-hmm. of stupid yeah. and yeah. rebellious and violent and, 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 and. So yeah. drawing attention isn't solution. Yeah. How do I now start to realize, oh, wait, that, those flesh and blood people... They're not actually the problem. Yeah. There is a malign force behind them that are pulling the puppet strings of their lust or envy or greed or whatever Mm -hmm. that has has systematized itself into that brokenness. And as long as I think I'm doing the Lord's work by Mm -hmm. highlighting the broken people, who have been broken by the system that they have themselves built, Yeah, mm. I am not only not helping, mm. I'm actually contributing to the problem. That's so, so okay. profound, but go ahead, Michael. So could I ask, like, if the first step is lament, and I'll just say this, I'm a really good pastor because I don't complain about it. I was, I was kidding. No, 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 no. I, yeah, I was going to say the no, same no. thing. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. I saw that. I saw that in your yeah. eye. No, so if the first step is lament, like, um, lamenting about the systems, lamenting about even those things 
big pharma, big entertainment, porn or the porn industry or yeah. uh, just the system that we live in. What is step two? Um, so there's lament, like letting God into it. What is what is the next step after that? I think that's where the intercessory piece comes mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. right? So to notice, yeah. first of all, but then to instead of outrage, lament, mm-hmm. which is to say, Lord, how long? Yeah. Because, but then intercession, which is, what am I being invited into? What gap mm-hmm. am I being invited to stand in? Because we can't all care about everything at volume 11. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what am I being it's good. invited to care about mm-hmm. and to carry uh, for Martin Luther King? It was mm-hmm. that yeah. whole civil rights and, yeah. and so, so on and so forth. That may be still a live option for yeah. folks, but others may want to feel the weight of the entertainment industry mm-hmm. or feel the weight of uh, Congress and start then out of that intercession to rehumanize yeah. the enemy. Yeah. This, this, uh, it's not flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. We've got to take the, 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 the faces of those people off our golf balls. Yes. And, yeah. and, and put them back into these people are beloved of God too. Yes. And they are as much in some ways victims of the broken system as they are victimizers of others. Yeah. And it's so easy to see the people at the top, the 1%, and to villainize them. Yeah. And and all day. Sure. But it, but they but the end of that day? Yeah. They are probably going to be crushed cuz Satan doesn't care mm-hmm. whether his henchmen survive or not. He just doesn't care. He's yeah. he's an equal opportunity destroyer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I I want to start to feel some compassion even mm-hmm. for perpetrators as well as yeah and it's very hard because we love to scapegoat mm-hmm. we love to you know make the and it's the only way we can get through a war yeah is by dehumanizing our enemy to the, his or her worst. Yeah. Characteristics. And looking forward to Christmas and New Year's and and that's usually what makes family gatherings so epic. <laughs> and it's, exactly. it's where the fireworks I was come just about in. To ask that. Yeah. Because we are looking forward to oh my goodness, Uncle so and so or Aunt so and so, they're gonna bring their agenda, they're gonna bring their sure. politics, they're gonna bring all this stuff. And I, I feel like we're yes. we're preparing ourselves even right now. Like, oh, I'm going to say this. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to work out this way. I'm going to ask this question. And what I'm hearing from you, Bill, and and from you, Michael, is we aren't allowed to do that as Christians. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's an invitation here to intentionally let our boundaries be broken for the sake of the greater love right. that is wrapped up in this feeling of anger. Like right. if you notice yes. something, that might be an invitation for you to pray about it. Yes. If you yeah. if you feel like deep anger towards some sort of injustice, that might be an invitation for you to do something about it. Yes. Um, and it's not just to, to complain. It's not just to feel sorry for yourself or for other people. Right. It, like if it's not leading to something... And uh, I think also there's like there's this this idea of of like letting go, mm-hmm. and 
if there's a battle, my old boss, um, one of my one of my best bosses uh, at, at a previous job. I also have great bosses here at Garden Church. I just want <laughs> I to notice how you I'm not your boss. Oh. <laughs> um, but my my old boss, he would always say, "That's not a hill I'm going to die on." Mm-hmm. And it was always in this context of there's things that I'm going to stand up for, and there's things that I'm just not going to stand up for right. because yeah. it's not worth winning or losing over. Right. right. Yeah. Th- this is. Uh, this is a space. Um, if God has given you a mantle to speak life or to, yes. to make some sort of difference in an environment of injustice, then fight. Mm-hmm. Fight for those that can't defend mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. Fight on behalf of Although others. Although you do have to do it in a way that reflects yes. the nature of the yes. kingdom. Yes. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And 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 coming from love and and defense, not from anger. Right. Um, but then in in some cases. Um, you know that question, like, is this a hill that I'm that I want to die on? Right. You know, who who's going to win the next election? Am I going to really die on this hill? Yeah. On this yeah, in this yeah. family gathering right. where we're talking about Jesus uh, coming as a baby and celebrating and singing Christmas carols mm-hmm. and then arguing vehemently with a family member who I'm supposed to love. Right. Um, that's Say not yeah. not a very good right. demonstration of why we want to follow Jesus. Like, if I can't see Jesus getting into an argument over those things. I no. see him kind of smiling and nodding and waiting for the the other well, person I, to kind of calm down. And, and and I think whatever we can do to rehumanize yes. that person and and to stop reducing them to their position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't mean that we agree with them. It means that my opinion of their being right is irrelevant. Yeah. So the good. only thing that will let well. people... Um, consider another option is to be loved in their current option. Yeah. Jesus didn't hang around with sinners so that they would become saints. He hung around with sinners because he loved them. Yes. And that gave them an imagination Mm -hmm. for what else they might be. I mean, you look at Zacchaeus, who everybody hated and felt fully justified in their hatred. Absolutely. And... Jesus is simple, single embrace of him. I got to have tea with you today. Mm. Yeah, so good. Turned Zacchaeus upside down and inside out. Yeah. And at the end of which Jesus said, see, he's a child of Abraham too, Mm -hmm. like you. Yeah, I love that. Can I just ask one question that I feel like maybe, I know we're, we're a little over time. This may be cut out. How much time do we have? Just ask. Yeah. He can decide. It's it gets fixed in post. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um in I think when it comes to anger, um, our family members, our spouses, our kids, our parents, um, I feel like we don't know how to handle our anger within our own family systems oftentimes. So how can we be expected to deal with the people that we are so disconnected with, right? So um, what are just some like maybe practicals of how to deal with anger within our households? Because I think there's just like a secret button that everyone knows how to push when they're so close. Yeah. Um, What do we do with the the anger that bubbles up there? Well, it's almost too late by the time you get to the there, right? Mm -hmm. So what we've been talking about over the last several months of these disciplines, these practices yeah. in, by which Christ is formed in us, the Holy Spirit transforms us. So 
uh, for me, the primary way of responding to that question is to say, well, solitude and silence mm-hmm. as spiritual practices train us in a solid self. Yeah. They train us in hearing the voice from the heavens that says, you're my beloved. Um, we need to recognize that a lot of our anger is not about the thing the person said, but because there's no there there at uh, in us. Yeah. There's no solid self. Yeah. And so when that boundary gets violated, we take as truth what they have said about us. Mm-hmm. and feel the need to defend ourselves, mm-hmm. which as soon as I feel that impulse, I realize, oh, wait, I don't believe either mm-hmm. in the self that they're... Uh, uh, that's why it landed so hard. Yeah. Uh, and so anything to reinforce who we are in Christ as prelude to the larger question. Yeah. Then the second piece is, and this is really challenging... But in the moment, take a minute. Yeah. Do I need to care what this person thinks about me? Mm-hmm. Or what their opinion is on X, Y, or Z? Can I let them be wrong if yeah. they're wrong? Yeah. Without feeling the necessity to have the last word or to prove... like. People don't arrive at their positions out of well-reasoned argumentation. (laughs) They arrive at their positions because they believe they have to think that way and then backfill it with rationale. Yeah. So what if I just took the pressure off the position? Would that maybe at some point, not strategically, but maybe at some point, would that open up an option for a question that could begin to unravel the insecurity yeah. that got them to that place in the first place. Yeah. Um, so I think that Good. just even taking a minute and giving space to not having to have the last word, not having to be right, not having to have everybody agree with me, mm-hmm. and to realize nobody in this room has a vote on my destiny in Christ. Nobody can vote me off the island. It's not their island, but it's not mine either. Yeah, Mm. it's really good. I love that. Um, Bill, you said it in your sermon that you were going to ruin Christmas for people. (laughs) Um, And I I think I want to do that too, like as we're looking forward to getting together with family. And if you love your family and you're excited about it, that's amazing that I'm so happy for you. I I get to kind of be that. I love my family. Um, but if you're looking forward to to meeting with your family or your friends, and there's just some sort of bitterness in your own heart, and you notice that, um, whenever you are listening to this, that could be just your starting point of like, hey, yeah. I'm noticing this. How could I lament this yes. this boundary violation? What am I going to do about it? How can I intercede? And even just right now, begin giving up your rights of of having to defend yourself. Yeah. Like, like yeah. we react and we respond to, to some sort of comment from a family member as if they do have the right to kick us off the island, as if they right. do have a right to the keys of our heart and they're going to just make a mess. Yeah. And, you know, that that's rooted in our identity and mm-hmm. we know where that's mm-hmm. kept safe and no one's yeah. getting in. Yeah. 
Um, and so just as, as we get uh, ready for Christmas, as we get ready for the New Year's, um, just with the family circles that you're in, uh, we want to be the kind of people that love Jesus well and that can also mm-hmm. get angry well. Yeah. And really, ultimately, that's what Advent mm-hmm. is about. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the preparation. Yeah. That's how we prepare him, Rome. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about the end of one of those office episodes when when Dwight finally gets Jim and there's all these snowmen around. Yeah. And he's like, and actually the true meaning of Christ- Christmas is not Christmas at all. It's fear. It's so fear. in this case, it's <laughs> anger. Anger. <laughs> anger. Come on. <laughs> but I think that it's so good and there's such a there's such an invitation here. Thank you, Bill, for for taking time yeah, and kind of so just good. like laying this out for us um, as we nitpick some of these little things and and, yeah. and draw them out. I think there's so much life here uh, for us to engage with, uh, to kind of break bad habits and to enter into new habits. And hopefully all of us can experience a wonderful Christmas, even if we gather with people that we may not have liked last yeah. year or, yeah. or, or, or are challenging. Yeah. Um, Michael, you have any last thoughts? No, other than Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. That's it. <laughs> and Happy New Year. Uh, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Michael, for being here. Thanks for the privilege. Thanks for listening to Gardener's Podcast. To find out more information about our community, you can visit us at garden.church.